Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 54 of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck down here once again at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company. After a uh, three-week hiatus, Dr. Frey, it's good to be back. Oh, it's great to be back. Tough time of the year, though, right? It just... Things slow down. Yeah. You got a lot of stuff going yeah. on. You know, we've been at this for a year yeah. and... Not a year and a half, but, mm-hmm. you know, approaching a year yeah. and a half, right, right? And we haven't taken really more than like one down week. Right. You know, and had yep. a few of those. And then in reality, we've actually had maybe two weeks off occasionally yeah. because there's been one time where yep. we recorded two shows, right. had a down week and filled the void on the second week. Yeah. Three weeks, no mm-hmm. shows. But it was, you know, it was a combination of, you know, we would we were say we we're going to take a week off right. and see what came up in the next week. And then right. it would be like, well, it's even worse than it was last week. Right. Like, you know, what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> the all-star break. I mean, this is typically the time of the year, right? The low There's, point, yeah, man. That, that low, that, you know, that one day after the all-star break where ESPN has nothing to cover. We talked about that before. There's <laughs> yeah. literally yeah. nothing, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I don't want to say it like that, right? Because there's literally, it's not literally nothing. But for the most right. part, there's, there's, there's yeah. not a whole lot of sports yeah. happening. And, and you mentioned, you know, we've been at this for about a year and a half. And on numerous occasions, we've mentioned the name Brandon Olea. Yes, uh, we have. So he's, you know, he's kind of been our uh, behind the scenes producer of the show. He's been yeah. helping with content. Right. And uh, we're happy to have him with us tonight, making his sports med on tap debut. Brandon, Welcome. thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> for sure. Brandon, I know a lot about you. Uh, you were a pretty instrumental part of my start in arena football. But why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself? So, yeah, um, I'm originally from Vineland, New Jersey, born and raised, um, went to Rowan University to get my bachelor's degree in athletic training to go back. I got into athletic training because as a junior in high school, I tore my ACL. And from there, the rest is history, as they say. (laughs) Right. And then after Rowan, I went to California University of Pennsylvania, got my master's degree, um, did a little internship down in Baltimore. And then Jason and I reconnected after we were connected. And when I was in college, I was one of his interns in the arena league reconnected and um landed a job with novacare and i was working um over in a, a division two college for a while uh-huh. um changed that up a little bit and while i was there i went back to school because i don't know why but it just kind of <laughs> fell on my lap but i decided to take another two years in school and got my clinical doctor in athletic training then i was working as an athletic trainer ever since um COVID changed my career path a little bit and now i'm here in the orthopedic um practice a little bit more than the college setting mm-hmm. Um, and again, reconnected with Jason again. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, it's been an ongoing thing that with him and I for, I don't know, it's been what almost 10 years yeah, now that we've known each other, which is really now. crazy. Yeah. So, and, you know, now I'm here. Yeah. Now we have you on the podcast, too. So yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Literally everything I do, I just keep bringing you along with yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Full circle, man. <laughs> it's full circle every time. It takes a little bit of time yeah. in between. It's a lot of discussions, but then we always make it work somehow. Yeah. So, you know, one, one of the hardships we, we, we've been running into is, like you said, finding yeah. the new injury to talk about. Right. What do we got today, man? Right. So, I mean, we, we mentioned that, you know, the MLB was on their all-star break. And, you know, sure enough first game back catcher for the Cincinnati Reds Tyler Stevenson Mm -hmm. takes a foul ball uh foul tip even goes straight back hits him in the shoulder uh even though you know even got enough of the you know the chest protector there right but it's not good right it it squared him up pretty good and we we know he has a clavicle fracture and he's kind of out indefinitely right now at this point if I recall um but you know he kind of you know Brandon was the one kind of surfing the internet there for us and found this and he had asked me have you covered clavicle fractures and i said no i mean we definitely have it and in my experience on the field i mean that's a it sometimes could be a pretty unique injury 
Well, it's 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 actually it's a common Tom, injury, yeah. right? Like yeah. like you know, yeah. Um, and I say also, unique because I, I feel like the let's say I've seen six, they all took a different kind of path. Like not right, everyone right. healed in the same amount of time. Fair enough. Every, well fract- every fracture was different. Every yeah, fracture mm-hmm. pattern was different. Every mechanism, for that matter, now yeah. that I think about it, oh, was different. Right? Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If Tyler Stevenson was my athlete, this would be the seventh mechanism, I think, that I've seen. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? I've never seen one on a foul ball. but it, and um, it, It's a pretty vulnerable bone, and it is not an uncommon fracture. You know, It's probably one of the most common fractures, I think, uh, especially in like more of this pediatric population. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, as soon as, as soon as it came up, I was like, you know, how, how have we not right, done right. this yet? But you're right, we yeah. haven't. And so, so, yeah, and I don't know if enough people know um, Tyler Stevenson, but he's a good catcher, man. Yeah. He's a good ball player. He's a young exactly. guy, but he's he's making a splash. So, yeah. so it sort of checked all those boxes for us. And kind of unfortunate, right, Brandon? Yeah. I mean, he, man, catchers are adorable guys, Very, you yeah. know, and uh, he, he's had a little bit of a run. He, you know, he's missed a lot of time this year. He had a concussion. He fractured his thumb. <laughs> I guess I foul tip at that too. Yeah, so foul tell. Two oh, foul right? tips in the same yeah. year. Yeah, it's tough. And I know, like, obviously, I mean, the concussion, the broken thumb. I, th- I think those are actually episodes that we've had in the mm-hmm. past. And uh, we don't have the concussion expert in, in Jess Harrison or Dr. Evering here with us. But right. And the first inning of the first game back from the All Star break. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, not even that, but he was only back for about eight or nine games since right. breaking his thumb, fracturing his thumb, you know. And, you know, some people going through the research of it you know the back in april when he got his concussion people were questioning what happened because right. he kind of got head slammed like yeah. he was there's a play at home plate and he slid and the guy was like he even said it in his post game i forget the exact guy um he, was he like, probably yeah, forgets too no. yeah <laughs> he was like uh yeah my elbow kind of smashed into his head it wasn't my intention but you know <laughs> we see him all the time right those right. plays at, at home play yeah. the catcher gets trucked over right and it's like usually not yeah. so good you know, I think yeah. I want to say maybe Buster Posey from the Giants tore his ACL on one of those big hits right. once. And like, was it, you know, wasn't his Achilles? His Achilles or his ACL? I, I I forget exactly what it was. I know he didn't get up from it. But so that's the one who changed the rules, right? Like, like right, it, was, yeah. it was his injury that, yeah. that, that 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 they changed everything. Yeah, ACL. I think not. At your, yeah, was it ACL? Now, maybe ACL. Well, I know Sorry, he, he has a history of it. I don't right, know if it right, was. Right, right. Maybe it was exactly. ACL, and I've totally blown it. Yeah, I wouldn't be the first time. I kind of forget, but but yeah, Doc, why don't you start us off? You know, let's talk about the clavicle bone in right. itself. Yeah, man. So, so uh, clavicle, collarbone, commonly called collarbone, and it basically serves as a, a, a strut to hold your shoulder girdle sort of out to length. And it's right there in the front of your body. It's pretty superficial. There's not a whole lot of padding over the top of it, which leaves it vulnerable to injury, which is one of the reasons why it's one of the more common fractures mm-hmm. that, that people will get. Really two, for the most part, two main mechanisms of injury. One, one is sort of direct impact, right? Mm-hmm. Which would be what happened in this particular situation. Foul tip, ball hits him mm-hmm. right in the clavicle and it breaks. Yeah. And the other very common version of this is someone sort of landing or taking an impact to the side of their shoulder, mm-hmm. causing it to compress. And sometimes it'll turn into an AC joint injury and a chromioclavicular uh, separation. Sometimes it'll turn into an SC joint injury, mm-hmm. sternoclavicular dislocation, subluxation. 
lots of times it turns into clavicle fracture. If the if that main strut between the two gives way, uh, then it then it then it's a fracture. Yeah. Why are these so commonly? You mentioned the pediatrics. What you yeah. know, what, what is the difference there between the pediatrics and you know the adult population? I think maybe it's it's the falls mm -hmm. that that happen. Um, you know, kids on a jung is on a jungle gym or you know play feature and and they fall off or yeah. they're swinging on this and then. Lots of times they land onto their shoulder or, or it's just they're probably putting themselves in position in the position or uh, where where they can mm. have this particular injury. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so typically don't get me wrong. Every, it can happen to anybody, anytime. Happens all the time. It's usually seen more frequently in males than females. And even though that is becoming much more even in terms of sports participation and whatnot, but but in general, Kind of the rough housing and sports and whatnot and it's usually it's generally typically considered males under 30 like like that's the yeah. most common person who winds up with this particular injury right right when we talk about the fracture itself i mean the fracture can occur anywhere along the collarbone yeah yeah so and i'm sure there's a difference in there you know totally totally different types of injuries depending yeah. on where it happens yeah. and and the truth is in this particular situation, right, for Tyler Stevenson, I, I'm not sure yeah. where it happened. Right. right. I'm yeah. assuming it happened when you watch the video, it's basically right in the middle of his clavicle, mm -hmm. which is where probably 70, 80% of them happen. And there's a really poor classification for these fractures, which I don't know if anybody still uses it or not, which which is based on frequency in which where it basically makes your clavicle up into thirds, middle third, lateral third kind of on the outside, medial third all the way on the inside. And it, type one, type two, or type three. Type one is your middle third, mm -hmm. like kind of right there in the middle of this. It's a this S-shaped bone. It's right in that like kind of curve area of the of the S-shape, where where people have this this fracture. And so by far, that's the most common. The ones that are way close to your sternum, way on the medial side, tend to be worse injuries. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are way on the other side, there's a couple of them that are kind of like at the distal end at the. There's a couple of them that are really no big deal. And there's a couple of them that will pretty much need surgery every time. Yeah. So it's, it's, you have one extreme or the other. But for these ones, the pendulum's swinging a little bit. Yeah. For a long time, we've tried to, you know, we don't operate, we don't operate, yeah. they heal, they heal. And they do. But I think we're starting to see, you know what? People probably do a little bit better with surgery, especially with some of the ones that are displaced. Yeah. How many of these have you seen in your time, Brandon? I want to say at least one. I know Absolutely. for one, yeah. one or two, I think for sure. sure. Um, I had one myself, but I don't remember it was when I was born. So, yeah. it was, it oh, came, did you really? Yeah, I came out with it. So yeah, right. Uh, but you know, I don't have any recollection of that. But the one I did have was a football football injury. Cornerback mm. um, was outstretched to go deflect the pass, deflected yeah. the pass, saved a touchdown. Fell on his arm pretty good. He just came up and just was holding his arm. Came to me, and I remember. I'll never forget the feeling of going under his shoulder pads and kind of like yeah. that crepitus, the crunchiness. Oh, it's crunchy. Right, right, it was right, crunchy, right, right. and it, his was like in three pieces. It was like pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. But when I when I saw it and we saw we saw a specialist about it, and they're like, we're not going to operate. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, okay. I, like, seriously? Seriously, right? <laughs> but at the time, it was um, it was right after Aaron Rodgers had fractured his on that big hit that he took and he op got operated on. So the family was like, oh, we're getting surgery on this, right? Just like you know they do in the NFL. We're going to do. So it was like kind of an awkward situation sitting in a doctor's office when the guy's telling the family we're not getting surgery. Right. When they just saw 
all over ESPN that, you know, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is about to go back playing football on a, you know, X amount of weeks or whatever. So not many. Yeah. The few, the few that I've seen that went the non-surgical route, I always remember feeling a little frustrated, a little helpless at times because I didn't have a lot they could do right. to speed up the process. It would just kind of be very frustrating. We're going to wait it out. And as an athletic trainer where you want to intervene and yeah. help speed up the process, this was a sit on your we'll, hands. We'll, we'll x-ray it all every week. Right. And it, hey, oh man, just not a lot of progress since last week. But what could we do? Oh, not I don't know. Not not a lot, you know. But I was actually wondering Dr. Frey too, like we've had uh Dr. Jennings, Dr. Dwyer on. And we talked about how just sometimes just surgical intervention just speeds up the process. Right. Is that is that similar in this case to the clavicle? It is. It is. And there are pluses and minuses to it. Yeah. The closest example, the most personal example I have of this was actually uh, my daughter. And um, very proud of her. She, as far as I know, was the first female to wrestle for Haddonfield Middle School. And, and oh, wow. that school's been there for like 100 something years. Yeah. Like it's been there forever. Right. It's a really, really old town. It's old in the country. It's a very, yeah. very old town. Right. And maybe I'm wrong. And if I and if I am wrong, I, I, I apologize to whoever it is that I mm -hmm. didn't didn't account for. But so she goes through. She's in sixth grade and she decides she's going to wrestle, gets through the whole season. And the very last match slash tournament of the year, Paulsboro, phenomenal wrestling school locally. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a tournament at Paulsboro. <laughs> and I'm actually there, and uh, KB Kevin Browles, who, who we all know very well, yeah. one, of, one of the athletic trainers, local athletic trainers, who's well respected, really good guy, is is working the event. And uh, my daughter comes up to me and says, uh, I "Like she thought she had gotten called for a match, and uh, I, I had I was trying, I had a call, I was on call, and I had to call somebody back." She says she goes up to the mat and they tell her, "No, no, no, you got a few minutes, you're not up." I'm like, "All right." I turn around, I'm like, "I'll be back in a minute." I turn around walk out of the gym to, to call the patient back. And like a minute later, someone comes running out. Hey, they're calling for you over on, you know, Matt so-and-so. And, and sure enough, uh, there's- On the life of a dad doctor at a sporting right, event. Yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> so and sure enough, there, there's Kevin Bryles and he's, he's palpating my daughter's clavicle. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, fractured clavicle. But did you bring her down here to Pittman? I did, that's exactly right. I. Uh, I don't know if maybe we didn't know each other as much back then, but I remember coming through. It was like a Saturday or yeah. something. And yeah. I guess the Ortho Express, you know, was here, you That's know, right. and or is here. And I remember being like, oh, Dr. Frey's here in street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, huh. I, I didn't like really like I just kind of walked through and right. I, I, we were probably here doing like a camp or something. Right. I'm not really sure. But yeah, didn't think much of it. But that makes sense now. I called ahead of time. I think I even had uh, Brad, Dr. Bernardini, meet, us, meet me here because I was like, I want to be dad. I don't want to be the doc. And yeah. of course, inevitably, it turned into that. But so we got here, we did the x-rays. It's non-displaced or slightly angulated, but non-displaced. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, we're in good shape. Yeah. Let Brad make the decisions. He's like, no, 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 I don't want to do surgery on this. I agree. I'm real happy about that. And she's telling me it feels pretty good. Two or three days later, I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay. It's not so bad, whatnot. And I'm letting her do a little more, a little more. And, and you know, you stop making good decisions because they're personal decisions, right? Yeah, you stop right. making doctor decisions. And she wanted to do more, and I sort of loosened the reins a little bit. And one day, she's carrying a book bag. It's like a week later. She goes to throw it in, and her book bag is like a million pounds. And she goes to throw it into the back of, of, uh, of my nanny's truck, and she hears, feels, click. And she's like, oh, God, so much worse. And I was like, oh, 
What did I do? Uh, why? No. Why? Why? Right. Because of my daughter, I was so yeah. soft, right? Like, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I let her, and sure enough, at this place. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, yes, yeah. you can go two different routes. You can go operative or non-operative. Mm -hmm. And um, typically the indications are less than two, two centimeters of shortening or less than 100% or greater than 100% of displacement. Typically you go non-surgical on these. Okay. And the outcomes are good. The problem is once you get less than two centimeters of shortening, one of the issues you can run into down the line is actually some deltoid weakness. So endurance issues and, and, and uh, deltoid overall weakness. And just like I was saying, the, the clavicle acts as a strut. It sort of holds the, the appropriate mm -hmm. length for your shoulder away from your body and keeps an, a, the appropriate tension on your deltoid which doesn't entirely make sense to me because the whole thing shortens a little bit. But in reality, that is one of the one of, one, one of the issues that people run into. So if you get greater than two centimeters of shortening, you worry about deltoid weakness down the line. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, if there's greater than 100% displacement, the rate of non-union starts to go up. And not that it's incredibly high, because sometimes these things are amazing what can heal sometimes. Like you, two things that are barely in the same ballpark and in like, how did that heal? But they do, yeah. Yeah. but not all of them. It's about 15% right. non-union rate if there's greater than 100% of displacement. So if it moves apart by 100%, yeah. whereas if you operate on it, it's probably like four or 5%, right? So you really, really reduce that non-union rate with surgery. So in general, short of like some of the big things, right? If it's, a, it's, a, if it's an open fracture, right? You put yeah. buttonholes through the platysma, one of the muscles there and through the skin, you're gonna operate. And there's a few other indications where you're gonna, you know, pneumothorax or vascular injury, brachial plexus. As short of those major things in general, you can get away with not operating, but, but those will be kind of your, your, the things that'll push you down a, a surgical pathway. And it also changes the recovery. Mm -hmm. When these fractures happen, like, we kind of like kind of circled back or circled through a lot of things here already though right other than an x-ray what is the clinical like process or the diagnosis like, yeah. process like because yeah. there's one specific kind of educational term i was kind of have in mind here uh, i hope uh, i nail it but yeah. uh so yeah so lots of times you're right right they someone comes in a lot of pain yeah you know, acute injury a lot of pain yeah i don't think that's probably i guess it's important to talk about too i mean i don't think i've ever seen a clavicle fracture that they're just not writhing in pain they hurt. Yeah, I mean, they're they seem to be right. one of the most on the spot, most painful things that you you know. I think it's because they're pretty unstable. Yeah, and in fact, like like from my daughter's situation, right? I just went through that whole story. Yeah, she had angulated with that first fracture, yeah. but it didn't displace, mm -hmm. and it, it hurt, but it wasn't terrible, right? Easy for me to say. It was I wasn't yeah, right. the one feeling it, but when it displaced, it was a whole different ball game, right? And yeah. I think I think they're they're very unstable fractures when they do displace, and which is why they become so painful, right? So so the person usually comes in in pain. They usually tell you they heard the pop or they heard the crack, yeah. and and then and, and, and you hit on it before. So you go and you kind of palpate away up there. Usually you can feel the deformity, mm -hmm. and there's also crepitus. It's mm -hmm. like this crunchiness in that area, yeah. that softness, crunchiness that, that people will get. And um, kind of kind of your dead giveaway. It's, it's usually relatively easy to figure out what's going on here. And of yeah. course you get the x-rays and if need be, you get the CT yeah. down the line. And uh, you know, again, if it's it's minimally displaced or it's not a, not a whole lot angulated, you, you can miss that one. But but the ones that are pretty, pretty, pretty bad displaced yeah. and whatnot, yeah, it, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah.
do, do you know what I was kind of getting at the clinical? The test, I guess you're talking about, or yeah. the, what, the piano key? Piano yeah. key, yeah. I don't know if that's a common, that, that's I, I with the, the piano key where you're mm -hmm. kind of palpating and, I mean, take it, you know. I mean, you palpate it, right? And you put, put pressure on one end and you, in theory, would see the other yeah. kind of pop up and your fingers are almost like you're on a piano. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I did that day when I did it. I just, yeah. piano, it was a little different though. There was no movement, but it was right. just all the crepitus and it was like yeah. there was a lot of crunching on there. I was like, yeah. all right, we're, we're good, we're good you here. Kind of like you, where, where there's like the displacement, you kind of just feel like your finger goes down as if yeah. you're using right your on in. ring finger to hit a key yeah. or your right. middle finger, yeah. you know, something like That's that. That's gotta hurt like heck. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be terrible. Not to, so I have, a, I have a fun story about that too, where um, to kind of relate this back to Tyler Stevenson, who we've gotten away from. So sure. um, in 2010, uh, the River Sharks had a catcher by the name of Toby Hall. Mm -hmm. And Toby Hall was, uh, I'd have to go back in the record books, but for a long time, the, the leading catcher in like every category for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at the time, I think he was like early or late 2000s. And we used to kind of give him some some grief when he came to us about how like when I was your age, the, the devil worries were purple, you know, because at that time <laughs> they changed the race. But he was a, a tremendous catcher, even better person. I mean, just a phenomenal guy that I still keep in touch with. And uh, when he first got to us, he took a foul ball off like the shin and I went out there and he's in the dirt, you know, like, ah, what are you doing out here? And I was like, well, I came out to check on you, you know, and. He's like, we'll talk after the game. After the game, <laughs> he wanted to let me know that, like, hey, man, like, catchers are, like, the, you know, the tough guys. Yeah, you know, right. like, we, we don't want you coming out here. You'll know when we need you out there. Right. right? So If I don't get up. Right. Like, if yeah. I don't get up or, you know, we, he even developed a sign for me where he would, like, pat his glove to the back to just let me know, like, I, you, don't, I, you don't need to come out, but, like, give me a second. Why is he whatever. flipping me the bird? Oh, he's supposed yeah, to come exactly. out. <laughs> so, like, Missed I said, that one. I mean, like, that's stuff that, like, you don't learn in school, right? right. Like. Not every catcher wants you because he's he said to me too, he's like, if you come out for every foul tip, he's like, you're out here 15 times. Oh yeah. He's like, I love talking to you, but you know, whatever. I mean, you see it all the time, right? See right. Foul tips happen yeah. all the time. <laughs> but I think it was interesting then if you relate it to the sequence of events for Tyler Stevenson, where you know, he he gets that foul ball off the collarbone, right. as right. we now know. He kind of just kind of flings it back to the pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> And he stays out there, right? I mean, so like now we're going back to my to my buddy's theory. Like we're the tough guys, right? That very first play, little dribbler out in front of him, which is Murphy's law, right? Like the yeah. ball always finds um, the amazing. injured person, right? Oh, yeah. Like it always finds the injured person. He, you know, pops out of a stance, fields it, goes to turn the first, and that throw never even happens. Nope, right? he got his arm up, and that was it. And right, he, arm went up, and as soon as it went up, it went right, right back down. So, like, you know, pl over. playing both sides of the fence here, he's the tough guy, but I mean, he couldn't even throw a baseball, right? And I don't know, 60 feet maybe. Yeah. Right. Surprised by that, Doc? Or no? I mean, no, I mean, they're, not they're surprised that painful, that. right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I am. He described it in the post game press, uh, the press conference that uh, you know it's, it was a clean break, and you know, I'm not going to need surgery, and you yeah. know, it's just going to heal. And you know, that doesn't tell me if there was any displacement, right? Yeah. Like, 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 right. I, I like to think, I hope there's no displacement. I think right. that's far, far better for him. It's going to get, uh, it'll, it'll resolve that much more quickly. Right. But I, I, I do wonder, right? Like, yeah. cause if there is displacement, right? It's that one, I think it's that much more painful because it's less stable of an injury. And mm -hmm. as you get a little bit older, it becomes more common that your fractures are going to be 
unstable. Mm-hmm. Right. There's something called the periosteum around the bone. There's this big, thick periosteum. When you're a kid and uh, as you grow, you need that thick periosteum as part of the process, and that thins down as you get older. And so same fracture in an adult isn't the same fracture in a kid. You don't have this thick layer sort of holding everything in place. And he's, he, I mean, he's young. He's 25, 25 I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's a, he's a young ball player, but he's not a kid, right? Like, yeah, so I mean, was, right. And that, you know, 25 things is second year in the, yeah. in the league. So, like, he's trying to prove himself, trying right? To he's trying himself. to be the tough guy. And yeah. they said in the article that uh, the staff was like, hey, you want to throw a couple? He goes, no, I'm fine. I don't want to throw any. No. He yeah. said no. He's yeah. like, because yeah. same thing he, right. he said. Was, I think it'll just go away. It'll, yeah. it'll go away. And yeah. it, it did it. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And I wonder, was it unstable? Yeah. And, and, and so, one, hurt like heck. And then, two, he might not have been able to really generate the power to yeah. do it, like physically, right? right? That strut's not working, right. especially if, if, if it had displaced. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going to know the answer to that right. question. Right? right? We've said it a thousand times. We don't actually see their medical records. We don't actually see the studies. The best we can do is speculate. We don't know that it was this middle third, but I can tell you with relative assurity it was watching the injury. But I really can't tell you that it right. displaced or not. There's just no way for me to know. I'm guessing then at this point, because there's so much gray in this that we, but let's run through A through Z. What, what is the timeline like for a return to play from a broken clavicle? And let's start with his, right. a non-surgical clean break, as he says. Right. What does a typical timeline look? A little longer than you think, right? And well, you, I've seen this, so yeah. I, I bet, I'm wondering if it's the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you just alluded to it, right? Like that you're kind of stuck there, just like yeah. waiting it out. Right. So typically, um, when I see these, I say, and I'm going the non-operative route, six weeks in a sling. But the truth is, especially younger kids wind up taking that off long before then. I'm struggling <laughs> and I'm fighting with them to keep it on. Yeah. But typically, it's six weeks in the sling. And about um, about 10 days in, maybe two weeks in, you start doing some passive range of motion yeah. um, just to get you know shoulder motion go, going and get some things going. But you're really, you're walking this fine line don't want to displace the fracture, i.e. me with my daughter making yeah. you know, a mistake. At the same time, you don't want someone to get too stiff. So, so you're, right. you're walking this fine line. And then usually around the six week mark, maybe sooner if they're doing pretty well, you get them out of this sling, start doing some strengthening around the six week mark. But really, really the honest, the standard recommendation for this is typically about four months getting returning to play. I find that we can usually get people back a little sooner than that but that's the standard recommendation four months for return to play all activities yeah and even with that when you're talking about six weeks in a sling i mean now you're working on just shoulder mobility just some general weakness yeah Um, getting your strength back and all this other stuff and it's and that's assuming that the fracture is even healed which is not a guarantee that's right right Right. so you might six weeks come out of sling and then you're not really there yet you can't really start working on that range of motion yeah yeah and and People do usually feel pretty good before then. And I've seen it happen before. Mm-hmm. Other scenarios other than with my daughter where a doc thinks like, oh, it looks good. They don't have pain. Let's, let's, let's get you back at eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they just refracture mm-hmm. and they're starting from square one. Yeah. So that bone is, you start seeing a little bit of callus starting to heal. Callus is like the human yeah. bone. That goes, and you're starting to feel good, but it, it's just not quite there yet. And it, does, it doesn't take too much to be right. starting over. And, and, and that's a tougher situation because now the rate of non-union does go up and, yeah. and other issues, uh, other complications, yeah. the, the rates go up. So, yeah. How about with the surgical intervention? Pluses and minuses, right, right, right. So from a surgical standpoint, 
generally speaking, there are two main ways you can go about this, two main fixation techniques. One fixation way is to put a plate on it, and there's a couple different ways you can do that. And then the other main category would be to put intramedullary fixation, a little rod, tiny little rod that goes down the center. And they have a few different versions of it. And there are pluses minus to both of those things, which I'm not gonna get into those details because it's just, I don't wanna put everybody to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> the big plus to doing the surgery, lower non-union rate. So, so they tend to heal better. Yeah. Like I said, about probably about four or 5% um, when, with surgery than without surgery. And then another big thing is you tend to heal more quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So typically in a sling, one, maybe two weeks after the surgery, get you out of the sling, get you moving again. Still typically wait till about the six week mark to start some of that strengthening, but usually you're back closer, you know, 10, 12 weeks getting back to getting back to sports. So you're getting back a little more quickly. And it depends on the sport, right? If your sport is um, cycling, yeah, probably getting back a little sooner than that. Yeah. If you're a sports football or hockey, where you're yeah. taking a lot of these side collisions, right. it may take right. a little bit longer. However, on the downside of surgery, not a completely benign procedure, right? Unless you do that, that, that little rod thing, which may not work quite as well as the plate, typically there's a fairly long scar, fairly long incision. And then there are, these are notorious, not that it happens that often, but somewhat notorious for wound complications where the skin opens up, it's not that far beneath the skin, and then all of a sudden you're staring at metal, you're staring at hardware, and that, that's a bad situation. Yeah. Or, you know, God forbid, uh, knock on wood, hasn't happened to me yet, but there, there are issues of neur neurovascular injury or potentially even pneumothorax kind of going into the lung. And these, these would be some, some, some really more extreme injuries and they become more serious as the fracture becomes more medial, mm -hmm. uh, closer, closer to the yes. sternum. Yeah. Um, it would be pretty rare, pretty unusual. But like I said, man, they're, they're not without complications. So, yeah. so the advantages of not doing surgeries, you don't have a risk of those particular surgical complications. So, so it has to be weighed, right? Like mm -hmm. at what point do the advantages of the surgery, those pluses that I just described, begin to outweigh the, the, the risks, which is like the decision we make with every surgery, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens, right? Like you have to kind of make the decision based off the person. Right. <clears throat> like for the story I said, it was a kid who was playing, you know, division two football toward the tail end of the season. The physician we saw was like, well, you're not getting back right. There's no point. What's the point? Let it what heal. are we doing? Yeah. Whereas that same year, Aaron Rodgers got hurt early in the season. They yeah. operated on, they had him come back for a couple games. Right. Yeah. Lost playoff contention. They just benched him and like, all right, we don't right. need to yeah. risk it anymore. No need to risk it. Right. Right. And there, there are a few softer indications. Right? If it's common, it's really broken up tend to do the surgery, right? If there is a butterfly fragment or, or a fragment or missing bone on the bottom portion, so you lose part of your strut holding it all together, lots of times that plate doing the surgery can be can be helpful. So like there, there are other soft indications of things that are sort of higher level decision making that, you're, that your doc is gonna be aware of. But in general, the, the, the baseline is uh, greater than two centimeters of shortening, more than 100% displacement and activity level of the person with the injury. You mentioned uh, cycling versus a contact sport like football. Right. What would the recovery time be like, let's say for an overhead athlete in a non-contact sport, right? Tennis, swimming. Yeah. Is there as much concern? Are they more Are they closer to the end of cycling or closer to the end of football? I, I, I go the other way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I go closer to the end of football. Yeah. 
maybe not quite the same just thing because as of hockey the, and the football. stress and yeah yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly yeah um so so sadly unfortunately a little bit of that longer recovery yeah. but but sometimes guys get on their bikes again you know three four weeks in like like probably a little sooner than they yeah. should but that's what they do right you're not doing that if you're swimming or you're yeah. throwing a ball it's right. just it's a bad idea tyler stevenson long term i mean yeah young young catcher in his career like you said not just a everyday guy first baseman no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we always kind of wrap things up with a, yeah. uh, you know, what does this look like for his career? That guy still has the same promising career he had yeah. before the injury. Right. I don't think this one's going to derail that whatsoever. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, and I guess a lot of that has to do with the recovery right. itself, right? So, I mean, so infection or, yeah. you know, yeah. anything like that. So, so let's say, let's say he... Has well, I a guess non it's not really infection because we're not doing surgery on right. this one. But yeah. so, about, <laughs> yeah. so I was gonna say, let's say he has a non-union, right? Yeah. My story changes. Let's right. say he has a non-union. Now you're operating on it for to try to fix the non-union. Yeah. Then it gets infected. Right? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my prediction at that particular yeah, point. Yeah. But at right. this particular point, from what we know, yeah, yeah, no surgery should heal if it's not all that displaced. Yeah. He's yeah, he'll do great. Yeah. At some point down the line. Maybe it bothers him a little bit. My daughter still tells me hers does. And, <laughs> um, but at some point down the line, maybe it bothers him a little bit here yeah. and there. But for the most part, he won't even know he had the injury. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, even like I looked up some stuff and like some internet articles are calling from like they, the Reds should just move him, move him to first base, like he jokingly said. But uh, I was like, I guess it could make sense if you, I mean, just from the sample size of his second year, right? He's right. three injuries. I think they he missed yeah. 50 out of 95 games or only played in 50 of the, of the 95. Right. Now, he had said, I think, when he broke his thumb, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought he said, like, that was the first break I've ever had. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, this is a tough year, man. Yeah, like, I, I don't tough. I don't know if he is an injury-prone guy, and yeah. it's just this is just bad luck. Right. Or, or you know, we talked about it a hundred times, yeah. right? We, we bring it up all the time. There's some people just more injury-prone than others. Yeah, this one seems to be bad luck. Because yeah, I mean, almost all of them are, right? Yeah. Like. He's playing catcher and gets ran over and right. kind of elbowed in the head. Right. Can't really control that. Right. Yeah. Second time, foul tip right into his, his throwing hand. So his right. glove was there. Foul tip redirected yeah. it, changed right. the trajectory. This one, same thing. Foul yeah. tip again. Now hits him in the in the in the padding too. Yeah, so it hit him in the chest protector. Yeah. You know, they, it's got that Everything's little shoulder right. flap. Yeah. You know, right. but still um, happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I said, Murphy's Law, you move him to first base and then he's got to, uh, you know, turn, make a throw home and, you know, yeah. the shoulder goes. Gets yeah. like, like, and it's amazing. It's amazing, right? Yeah. The the very next yeah. play I, I, is the ground ball dribbler. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, like, a player get hit by a pitch at bat, right? And right. I'll go out to first base, do the casual, you know, just courtesy check. Like, it hits him in the calf or something. And then the very next batter hits a triple into the gap, and this has got this guy's now got a leg out from first <laughs> to home, you know, a minute and a half removed from a ninety-eight <laughs> mile an hour fastball in the cab. Right. Like, never failed ever, ever. Yeah. Or you know, same thing. I mean, in, in football, uh, you know, defensive back, uh, you know, comes up with a little quad thing, does you know, whatever. First play down, it's well now I'm catching a fly route down the sideline. Mm -hmm. You know, like it just it just never fails the way the. The ball will always find the injured person. Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of football, <laughs> not too far away. Today's the day. Yeah. Training camp starts. Was, was it today? Today. Yeah. Heck yeah, yeah, man. All the veterans showed up. They finally, it's, it's going. That's and I remember, uh, I remember the days of uh, this is when teams would be like moving, right? Like yeah. everybody would be like at some site for, mm -hmm. for training camp. But now 
Yeah. Now we've, you know, last 10, 12 years, everyone's kind of seemed to move away from that. Everyone stays at their home facility and- Do they? Some. I was gonna say uh, some, I, like they yeah. all, I thought that they like, they kind of all moved that way. I know the Eagles do. I know yeah, the, sure the Eagles definitely trended towards um, it. I looked it up today. I was looking at it to see, make sure everyone started today. Yeah. And I think there was, I think it was Pittsburgh goes to some local college. They do, they do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so some seems still go away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not far, right? right. Like it's, it's the middle of Pennsylvania. Right. It's, a, it's amazing how much training camp has changed too. Whereas like, you know, in the 70s and 80s when these guys were working off season jobs and training camp was really meant to bring you back to football and that's why there was two a days and right you know and now it's just like well these guys train year round for this purpose most of them staying local in their facilities right. you know? <laughs> yeah yeah i think you're right i think yeah. organizations have figured out sometimes that if we keep it local right we can generate a little bit of money yeah and i also wonder how much does spying factor into that decision making process right like like they're worried about mm. potentially mm -hmm. other teams coming and yeah. viewing and recording or whatnot. And right. you have these open, um, like, yeah. Like the Eagles used to go to Lehigh. Yeah. Um, right. you know, I was up there a couple of years and, you know, essentially anybody could get into the stands right. and watch practice. Yeah. I mean, um, at the Novacare complex, right. it's relatively heavily bushed around right. the, around the practice field. <laughs> yeah. There's a security guard at the gate. You yeah. can't just walk in. Right. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's exciting. I love yeah. the fact that it's, it's up and running. You start just start to get the feel, yeah. start to get yeah. the taste. It's not too far away. Oh, it's so. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we're nine days away from our first preseason action yeah. too. Are you yeah. kidding me? The Hall of Fame, yeah. game. The Hall of Fame game yeah. on next Thursday. No. Yeah, it's yeah. next Thursday. Seriously, it is. Yeah. Well, first, it kind of blows my mind that 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 we get there that quickly, and it right. sort of goes to your point. Yeah. The whole point of it is yeah. sort of lost, right? Like right? These guys train all year, right. like, and then teams no longer really play their yeah their play we also i mean i don't know when they started i have no idea but now there's otas and mini camps mm -hmm. and That's these true. guys aren't just away for january through august right you know like they're they're doing something pretty much year round yeah you know oh, yeah. And, yeah it's interesting it's interesting so um <laughs> Also, yeah. potentially uh, part of our short hiatus there, mm -hmm. a few weeks. Jason, yep. <laughs> just want to say thank you yep. for, well, first, the years of working together yeah. and, and, and working on the, the other teams and everything like that. Right. And I'm really sad, but, but yeah, a little, little bit of news to share. So a few, a few months ago, I was presented with an opportunity uh, to go back to my alma mater, uh, return as the head athletic trainer for right. the Westchester University football team, which, you know, I've mentioned their name multiple a bunch times. Of times. Yeah. Um, so I'll, you know, I'll be a faculty member there working with the football team and uh, an assistant professor for the uh, educational program. And, uh, you know, so yeah, t to your point, Doc, we, we've talked about where this podcast was going to go. A little foreshadowing, Brandon was brought on for a specific reason today. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was a uh, it was a very tough decision. Reconstructive Orthopedics was a huge part of my life. Um, they kind of re resurrected my my faith in the physician athletic training relationship, especially during the arena days. But uh, it was the right move for for my family, and uh, so we don't. We, I think we talked about it a little bit before we started. I, I don't know when 
I'll be back yeah. um, on the show um, if I'll be in the same capacity, you know, um, or I'm happy to be a guest every week. But right. um, I'm staring down training camp myself here. <laughs> Going to be starting in about 10 days and my focus needs to turn on the, the health and safety and the well-being of the student athletes at athletes, Westchester. For sure. Um, and that's where my focus is going to go now. Um, but it, it was tough. And, um, you know, the podcast was a baby of mine. Uh, the recovery room was a baby of mine. Right. And, and that was part of the tough decision to leave. But um, again, Brandon's not on here by accident. Brandon was handpicked a year ago to come in. You know, I brought him in the recon because he was the only one I trusted with the recovery room. And truthfully, he's the only one I'm going to trust with the podcast here moving <laughs> here forward. Go. So right. like I said, I'm not saying this is the end. Um, it, but it, it, it is not the end. Yeah, right? so like, like, certainly. Yeah, certainly for the next few few weeks, I think uh, training camp's about uh, three weeks for us. We open up. Um, I believe it's September 4th at home. So, you know, I'm going to focus on that right now. And then, yeah. like we were saying, once I kind of understand my role a little bit and um, I'm hoping to be back and that's why I don't, I don't want this to be the end for yeah. sure. So, yeah, the, the, not going to be co-host here yeah. for a little while, yeah. but to be determined, right? Sure. Like, like, and clearly going to be back on the show, right. clearly going to be talking and, and see where this goes. Yeah. See, See where things are, September, yeah. October, right. time commitments and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. But certainly, you know, wanted to thank, uh, you know, we don't really know a lot about them, but all of the listeners that do tune in and certainly Reconstructive Orthopedics for supporting this venture. And like I said, all along, Dr. Frey, you don't get enough credit. Um, it's easy for Brandon and I to come here with, you know, Mike Trout's batting average and <laughs> things like that. But you're the one that comes with all the science. You make it so that I don't have to research you know, clavicle fracture or uh, surgery intervention and, you know, st strategies. Success rates. Yeah, and, success rates right. and things like that. And uh, so you're the one that takes on all the work, Doc. So, I mean, this was one of the, the funnest projects I've worked on in my career, and I thank you. It's been, I appreciate yeah. that, man. It's, cool. it's been a ton of fun. Yeah. It's been great. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, it, whenever I talk to somebody about the podcast, I, I say the exact same thing right. in the opposite right. direction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Jason. Jason's, uh, yeah. you know. He's the, he's the special guy that makes it work, and he's the special guy that makes. But like it I work. said, I think we were I think we were all at a point, and it's putting a lot of pressure on Brandon, who I'm not going to look at when I say. Yeah, it's going to be. No, I, I think we were at a point where step it was right like, in, buddy. Yeah, right? <laughs> it was. Uh, it, was to. it was just too good to just stop it all together, and I'd yeah. rather see it succeed with or without me than just say, well, like if I'm not going to do it, no one's going to do it. Right, so. Right. I'm going to be tuning in every week. I can't wait to listen to the episodes. And uh, thank you guys again. For sure, man. Absolutely. We're going to miss you. And we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Before we go ahead and close out our tab for tonight, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company for hosting us each and every week, located right here at 614 Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey. I'm, of course, going to be down here as much as I can to get some of these beers to take home. And as always, our good friends at Timber Real Productions, Kyle Miller, I thank you for all your help over the last couple of months, man. Keep doing a good job. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>